I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name is David Reed, and this is Marek Larwood. My, my name is Marek Larwood. Yeah. Any my voice, t- my voice is very tired today. And how is your, uh, how is your psyche, your soul? Broken. Broken. Why? What have you been up to? I've done. I've been forced to accept this building up suspense here. Yeah. A part in the play, playing Father Christmas. You'd be good at that. I didn't want to do it. <laughs> The man phoned me up. He said, hello, Mark. I said, hello. He said, are you working at the moment? No. <laughs> do you want to be in the play? Well, I said, well, yeah, how much is the money? Yeah. Just enough to break even. Yeah, I'll do it. It's not going to be loads of lines, is it? It's not going to be loads, so I have to learn loads of lines. No, no, it won't be. There's not any singing, is it? Not, I can't sing. No, well, hardly any. Oh, can I see the script? You've got to sign the contract, first of all. <laughs> no, that's when alarm bells should start ringing. Normally, sign. you see the script before you sign the contract. When does the job start? Oh, it starts in two weeks. Is there only two weeks rehearsals? Yeah. Oh, right, as long as there's not many lines to learn. Script comes through. There's three people in this fucking thing. Three, script comes through. 40 pages, mostly Father Christmas. Who are the other two characters? A girl. Sounds good. And a man who controls a pig. <laughs> what? The pig controller? He's, called, he's a puppeteer and he also plays a doctor and the pig's called Sausage. Okay. So, so is the character man who controls pigs or is no, he a no, puppeteer of a pig? Is, the character is the doctor and the zoo, a man in the zoo. And I had to just do a day's rehearsal. I don't like talking that much. I definitely don't enjoy... Having to recite lines for eight hours. I mean, my mum is the very opposite of Father Christmas. So where's this play on and how can Film Fandango fans go and support it? I am not telling anyone. <laughs> I think you are. You just did. I am not going to tell anyone about the details of this play. Okay. And I've got to shave off my facial hair so it like an egg. And I've got to have a glue-on beard, which is the worst. Why can't you just grow your beard? Oh, it's only two weeks. Yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, face glue is a real horrible thing, it is isn't just, it? It is really awful. Even after you've used the terps or whatever to get the beard off. It still sticks it there. It still sticks there. And then it um, 
it gets dust, doesn't yeah. it? Dust sticks to it. And, and, and diesel sleep, in the When you street. try and sleep at night, you just get slightly stuck to your yeah. pillow. Yeah, and then it builds up over because you'll put it on every day. Because yeah. I used to put it on for uh, the third Penny Dreadfuls play. What's the consequences over time? Um, it, you know what? I only put on tiny amounts in the end where I was just like, you know what? If it starts to peel off during the scene, because it was for one scene, it was a quick oh, change okay, moustache. Okay. But I was just like, if it starts to fall off, we'll just make a feature of it because I, it stinks. You know, you feel. I have to wear heavy, high from heavy the glue. Beard. Yeah. Do, well, is it a kids' show? A kid's going to be pulling on your beard and stuff. I'm not going to be anywhere near me. Because <laughs> you'll be stinking a bit. I really regret it. Oh, I'm sorry, man. Well, it's not about that, is it? It's not about that. Um, although I do enjoy these um, uh, windows into your life. Um, parts of the show. We're going to talk about films, and you went to the cinema, didn't you? I went to see Patterson. Now, Patterson uh, is... A film starring Adam Driver? Yes. Kylo Ren. Uh, Adam Driver is the lead. His name is Patterson. He lives in a town called Patterson. Hello. He drives the bus, the Patterson bus. Everything's called Patterson, pretty much. Really? This is, well, no, quite a few things are. This is directed by Jim Jarmusch. Jim oh, yeah, yeah, I do. He did um, Coffee and Cigarettes, didn't he? Coffee and Cigarettes. I've seen Broken Flowers, Ghost Dog, The Story of the... Uh, Samurai Wave Samurai which I didn't particularly like Broken Flowers I was slightly disappointed by because I don't think it was uh, um, Bill Murray's best film Um, he's done films like Dead Man he did that one with uh, Tom Waits and Roberto Benigni in prison yeah is it Coffee and Cigarettes no no it's pre-Coffee and Cigarettes Um, anyway Down by Law Down by Law that's the one um, coffee and cigarettes I like so it's a bit hit and miss some of the it's a load of short stories uh, all in black and white about people uh, drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes so one of them's Tom Waits and Iggy Pop mm-hmm. one of them is Bill Murray and Rizza and Jizza from the Wu-Tang Clan <laughs> which is particularly good one is Kate Blanchett talking to herself as uh, sort of things she do she does it? that a lot yeah. Yeah. she likes to play everyone she's a bit like Eddie Murphy in that way very much in the uh, what's it called the, the, the in the the clumps the, clump, the uh, meet, clumps yeah, yeah. meet naughty meet, professor two meet the clumps meet the twats <laughs> yeah um, but it's quite good there's actually the best one is um, Steve Coogan talking to uh, oh, what's his name uh, Alfred Molina oh really yeah and Alfred Molina claims to have been. Uh, tracing his family history back and he finds out him and Steve Coogan are distantly related and he's really excited and he's telling him and Steve Coogan just wants nothing to do with him. It's really funny. Um, So this film, uh, Jim Drummond, he's sort of an auteur really, isn't he? He's one of the art house filmmakers. But he's got quite a good eye for humour, I think, which is, you know, unlike a lot of art house stuff, which can just be a bit whimsical. He's he's actually occasionally very funny. Well, there's two things going with this film. A, Adam Driver has got that sort of unique charisma and he can carry a film. And this is a per- Whereas Kylo Ren isn't the perfect part for him, I don't think. This is a sort of great part for Adam Driver, who plays a man... What's fascinating is... It's, it's quite relevant to a modern time. He's a man who's... who He's a poet. He's got his book and he writes poems and the poems come up on the screen. And he's happy being a bus driver. Mm. He's got a very eccentric girlfriend he lives with 
who is an artist who has a, who who dresses in black and white, and it just follows. It's one of those films where, not like Groundhog Day, where it's the same day over again. It just follows a week in the life of his life. So it's all about minutia that you see the first scene and mm. it builds up. You know, the humour and the repetitiveness of it. So it's very very slow. But it's quite. I think I was reading a bit about it. And he said he wanted to do a film about a man who's quite happy with a, in his own world without technology. I think that's the thing now. Everyone's got to know everything about each other. He hasn't got a mobile phone. He doesn't go on the internet, and it feels quite nice to watch because of that. It feels a, as though a, a man living in the way of life without technology, mm. who just does things like when it, he will go to a bar and have a drink and talk to people, rather than in the, the silence he has is thoughtful silence rather than uh oh I better get my phone out yeah 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 which you don't see people don't ever stop and contemplate I think they always you instantly I think plenty of people still do it's no just I don't when, when you have your phone it's very easy to forget that some people aren't completely locked into this many many are obviously but it's quite. It, I think the funny thing is brilliant because you can be really rude to people, ignore people. Yeah. You don't want to speak to them, but then again, you just end up reaching it out of habit. Yes, I, I've I've found I've occasionally developed that sort of. It's almost a nervous tick of when before you'd sort of feel the awkwardness of a silence or like you know just you're waiting and you've got that awkwardness of I don't know how long I'm going to be waiting and you would sort of then start to think about things and slowly get out of it. Whereas these days, as soon as that impulse kicks in, you reach into your pocket and get mm. your phone out. And it is it has become a sort of nervous tick now. It's like, you don't need to check Facebook right now. You don't need to check your emails. You'll know when something's coming through. Mm. You know, But it, it's odd, isn't it? So is there any actual story to speak of, or is it mostly just a sort of portrait of a man's day-to-day existence? It is with a few things that happen, but you're not really watching it for the story. I don't know why you're watching it, really. <laughs> it's one hour and 58 minutes, which is half an hour too long, as yeah, usual. Yeah. At one point, I thought, I thought well, you can speed this up a bit. And is something going to happen or not? All the acting's great. It looks great. It feels as though sometimes you're absorbed in a reality show. It's so mundane. Right. But without there being so many twats in it. Sure. I watched some reality shows recently. I was astounded by how stupid people were. Um, are you talking about Joel Domit? No, not Joel. I know Joel. I'm talking about, if you talk about I'm a Celebrity... He I, was the runner-up, wasn't he? Yeah, Joel guest of the show. Yeah. There's been a run-up on that. But um, I watched I'm a Celebrity because he's in that. And I was amazed when he... I watched an episode when he was trying to do Morse code with people. Right. And even he's one of the nicest men in the world. You know, really, really... He never, he's not got a bad word saying no. anything. I could see him getting annoyed by how thick the people were incapable of. Didn't know, A, didn't know what Morse code was. Right. And didn't know the dots and dashes. And which, and the conversations I heard in in the jungle, oh my God, were so bland mm. and so stupid. I thought, well, most people are just, well, these people are just as thick as shit. Yeah. And they should be shot. Uh, mm. And this is the reason why I would never get put on a reality show. I don't know. I mean, uh, those views are becoming more popular in uh, the English-speaking world, aren't they? Really? Are they what are you saying? Uh, the far, you, know, the, the, you're, you, you might be alt-right. What? Because I want you want to shoot people from being thick. 
<laughs> Sounds pretty fascistic to me. Not really, is, is it? it not? Is it left? It's quite a lefty thing, isn't it? Shooting people. These for things go round in circles anyway, isn't it? What things? It's new liberal, it's what it is. <laughs> new liberal. New li- I am new liberal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, murder the thick. Well, not murder, just, just heavily disciplined, first of all. Heavy discipline with bullets. No, just give them a, just think, just concentrate a bit more. Punch them until they get cleverer. Read a book. What Read is, a book. It's, it's a good idea. <laughs> it's, how do you implement it, though? That's the thing. It's We're talking with... about films, not uh, yeah, sure, sure. Not my um, uh, new liberal regime. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. I, I, I'm finding it hard to get into Patterson from your description of it's it. It's very odd because it just feels as though you you become absorbed by this film. Is it um, watchable? As in, is it does it, it grab it, you? It is watchable, but it feels though this world is quite a lot of films. They're a bit too the story is a bit two dimensional. The world's time. It's all about the world creating this scene. Yeah. of where he lives in his life and it feels so dense and heavy with it, the small characterization, characterizations. It's the minutia. Mm. It's getting rewards from tiny little things that repeat. And that's why I mentioned Groundhog Day because they said the first time you watch it he gets up and then the music repeats time. It's yeah, sort yeah. of... Um, it was on the other night. Uh, but that's... It's almost setting up the first thing you don't realise you're watching it. Then the jokes appear with a familiarity. Yes. Of, and that's what the humour comes in with this. You realise he's quite an eccentric, and there are odd things that happen. There's lots of twins appear in it. A few sort of odd quirks. Right. And him listening to conversations on the bus. So it feels as though you're just, you become a part, a citizen of Patterson. Right. And part of that life. So it's a different, rather than you're following a, st- a story, it's not his story, but you, you're almost an observer in his. Of his the, observations. Yes. Right. And a slight insight into his mind, which feels quite refreshing. Which I'd say in other films you might not get that because it's more story. It's a real character film, right? I don't know if I've described that well. No, or no, not. no. I get, I get the sense of it. I enjoyed it. I give it seven, six or seven marics. Okay. I'm fascinated to hear what our lovely. I was going to say viewers for a second. I hope no one's watching. We have no way of them doing that other than... I really hope no one's watching what we're doing right now. Other than with binoculars from the building opposite. That would be scary, wouldn't it? Yeah, or through the scope of a sniper rifle. Oh, I always think of Predator with the three... three. I mean, it's overkill. You don't need three laser pens, do you? (laughs) He's always trying to distract referees with his laser pens, the Predator, isn't he? I've listened to the Predator soundtrack so much because on my, on my uh, iPod, yeah. which can only carry about 400 songs, there's no one. Ten of them are songs <laughs> from the Predator soundtrack. <laughs> so there's a good chance, if I go for a long walk, that I will <laughs> I will somehow be... <laughs> Have you seen the uh, Alien vs. Predator films? No. You good. haven't, and you're that big a fan of Predator. I, well, well I I thought, like Predator 2 is actually quite good as well. I thought Alien vs. Predator was... One of the worst films I've seen. I think seen. I have seen that until I saw the sequel, which and it makes the first one seem like a piece of classic cinema. Oh, history. really? Yeah, yeah. The second one is is like one of those um, uh, scary movie films, basically. Oh, really? It's so bad. Anyway, anyway, I keep going off Patterson. So six or seven. It, it I'd sounds... be really intrigued just to 
uh, hear what our viewers have to say and we'll get an email and we'll forget about it and it'll be in about four or five weeks time read it out and I've forgotten what I've said absolutely yes that's what I would like to happen well there is an opportunity for that to happen again with this This is from Chris Beaton, and he says, Dear David, Marrick and Buddy, your recent podcast where David discussed Elstree and how people are prepared to give over their hard-earned cash for the signature of an extra in Star Wars got me thinking about film merchandise and how there are some films that people just need everything which bears any connection to the film. That's right, buddy. Star Wars is one of them for me, although I draw the line at paying for any signature, whether they were in Star Wars or not. Are there any film franchises that you guys just have a need to own every bit of merchandise going? Also, is the mass commercialisation of film franchises in terms of merchandising killing the films which are unable to compete in that field? Grateful for your views. Love the podcast. Thanks, Chris. Um, now, I was a massive fan of Star Wars figures when I was a kid. Like, that was, you know, my principal thing I would play with. Like... Um, over Lego, I had loads of Lego as well, but it was that over Lego and everything. It was just spilling all of the figures and vehicles and stuff out onto the carpet and just playing out scenarios and building things. But they and... were the main thing, weren't they? Especially yeah. when you, when you, and the part of the best bit was looking on the back when they—that was a genius. Yeah, yeah. Of showing all one hundred and their you know, names. Which ones don't I have? Got, got, need. Yeah, but in terms of uh, merchandise, I feel no need to own anything from any of these things anymore. Yeah, I I'm too old for that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I I don't begrudge people who want to uh, have t shirts emblazoned with Harley Quinn or whatever, but I, it's not something that really does it for me anymore. I I uh, do think that it it is does affect cinema though that these films that are more marketable without like, a doubt. Disney bought Star Wars and the and the merchandise, didn't it? For the, uh, yes, well, the merchandising rights is the main thing. So, for I think we may have talked about it before, and uh, in a couple of weeks' time, I'm going to go see Rogue One, the new Star Wars film, uh, just before Christmas. Uh, so we'll talk about it then. But I have no doubt that the reason they're going backwards in time and doing prequels is because part of what they've bought, for however many billion it was... Um, is they've bought the rights to make toys of Darth Vader and Yoda, both mm-hmm. of whom, are, and Boba Fett, all of whom are now dead in the chronology. And so ah. they, if they're going to make toys, they need to introduce these characters to new kids, which means going back in time when the characters were still alive. And that's why they're doing Rogue One, a Star Wars story, Han Solo, a Star Wars sto- story, Boba Fett, a Star Wars story, Bib Fortuna, a Star Wars story. Who's Bib Fortuna? <laughs> it's just one of the sort of smaller characters in uh, oh, okay. Empire Strikes Back. Um, he's the uh, he's the sort of vizier character to Jabba the Hutt. You know the one with the Twi'lek with the the oh that guy yeah thing. the grey thing the grey lot Jabba the grey worm neck. yeah sort of thing. Here we go. Here's a question from Darren Rogers. Guys, while watching Django Unchained recently. I was wondering what your opinions were on Quentin Tarantino. Is he still the enfant terrible of modern day cinema or has his time been and gone? Did you like any of his earlier work? What are your favourites? I would put True Romance in my top ten films of all time. I never tire of watching it. Keep playing ball, Darren. (laughs) That's true. Um, 
Quentin Tarantino's early work, I think, is sublime, especially his directorial stuff. So obviously, Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. Jackie Brown, I think, is wonderful as well and underrated. Yeah. Um, then uh, Kill Bill, I think, is good, but it did lose me slightly. I wasn't as into it as some other people were. I I didn't think it needed to be two films, but um, um. And Django, again, left me slightly cold, I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, I didn't enjoy it that much. Um, Inglorious Bastards, I think, is excellent. I think it's... I, the more I watch Inglorious ba- Bastards, with Quentin Tarantino, you watch Reservoir Dogs again and Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And you think, I didn't especially enjoy Pulp Fiction on the first watch. Really? The second time, I thought, oh, this is actually... This is brilliant. Yeah. This is totally different groundbreaking stuff. The problem is, he just uses the same tricks too many times and it becomes uh, it is the law of diminishing returns and I think I, when I, The Hateful Eight I thought was pr- really poor because of what you said about it I still haven't got around to uh, watching it there's no point watching it it's just a sort of typical he ends with just big shootout trying to he loves that Mexican standoff type yeah, of thing yeah. and he's used that too many times in Glorious Bastards I loved it the first time but I think I said it before on the second watch I thought it's two brilliant scenes. The rest of it's just a lot of <coughs> filler, I think. I would rather have had a film just about the woman running the cinema, um, who who knows that you know the Nazis are going to have rather a screening. Than weird Brad Pitt sort of. Like, yeah, Brad Pitt's the worst bit in that. Not him personally, but his storyline is the worst bit. It does change the, the, the scene scale of it. To the make scene really at the comic. beginning with Christoph Waltz is fantastic, and the one in the basement actually, which. Is Brad Pitt and his men, but it's a uh, Michael Fassbender and another actor basically doing yeah. this scene. Um, is brilliant, and then actually I really like the story of the one with the cinema where it where it's all ending. But it as a film, I I really enjoy. I it. think it's really, I, I think it's got some odd decisions like Mike Myers is comedy uh, Colonel. Yeah, it's a very odd decision to have that in there. And I just think his early stuff was so. He set the bar so high. Yeah. Even the stuff he does now, it's not bad. But you, you just feel they're all ending in the same. Mm. They would have had that same sort of climax that he hasn't really escaped from. I don't know. I don't know. I I I, I like his stuff. I I think it. I think he's yeah. done. He's done some things that will always be remembered. And bloody hell, that's it. Yeah, incredible. I think he's been incredible. He, and. Really influential, so I don't really want to say a bad word against him. Um, have you seen a film, David? I've seen a few films, actually. But one I'd like to talk about is one I had never seen, despite the fact I love this director's work. Oh, and yes. That is John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13. This was his first... Well, I've seen this about 15 years ago. It's This was his first... One of his first films, wasn't it? It was uh, so low budget. That's right. Um, and it's basically um, a, a a western siege, basically a standoff, basically, uh, the whole film, but set in the 70s or whenever it was... It was made in 76. So what's the so vague uh, uh, outline? Basically, for? there is a police precinct that is being wound down because it's being closed, and so it's got like a skeleton staff that are just keeping it open, but basically to field phone calls to tell people, no, you need to go to this other one. And 
all of these strands collide on this venue in the same evening where a bus transporting criminals needs to stop off there because one of the criminals is ill um, or might be ill and also a gang has recently had six guys gunned down by policemen so are out for revenge and so they for some reason pick they just go on this sort of weird uh, blood ritual vendetta where they don't care if they live or die and they basically assault the precinct but there's an ice cream van in it somewhere that scene is famous and it's a slight spoiler here it came out in 76 this happens in the first 20 minutes of the film but this is a slight spoiler if you'd like to see it so maybe skip ahead but so I do a sound spoiler spoiler that's that's the sound um Basically, uh, a little girl is going for an ice cream uh, when the gang drive past. Oh, that's all we need to say, isn't it? Uh, no, because no, it's cinematic history, this scene, because the little girl is shot in the chest, stone dead. And that it was the first time anything of that ilk had been shown in a film. And I read about this because I was like, that is pretty strong. You know, it's a, it's a young girl. And the way uh, John Carpenter got it past the censors was he sent them a different version. And then when they passed the film, because it would have been an X-rated film, which meant mm. in those days very few would have seen it. Um, and then he submitted the version with the child shooting to the cinemas, and by that point it was too late. That's very clever. <laughs> I know. And it's got the, his really lo-fi but brilliant music his own keyboard music it's great there isn't it yeah it's great it's uh, The Thing uh, is the one that I always remember of uh, his soundtracks I mean they're not always brilliant but this is pre-Halloween this film so uh, which has an incredible soundtrack as well of just like what what do you call them like uh, drones is it is that what you'd call them the sort of just these sort of electronic uh, weird synth but him Almost playing it with one finger. Yeah, yeah. It's great. So anyway, there's basically this cop who's just come uh, back onto active duty. Um, I don't believe we ever find out why he was off in the first place, but you assume it's an injury or something. And he wants to get right back out there on the streets and his um, superior officer puts him on this cushy job look baby basically babysitting this precinct until it's yeah. over and he's like oh, god damn it and then all hell breaks loose but it's very uh romero actually sort of zombies because these gang members are inhuman basically then then i don't mean they're sort of going or anything but they are not humanized by the director you know so it really is just a like Zulu style siege of just like just kill anyone anything mm. and of course you know the criminals have to cooperate with the policemen and anyone who's left alive in this building to try and withhold this onslaught of violent people things are much simpler in the old days weren't they it's a bloody good film mate yeah. it's incredible I really really enjoyed it and it's so simple in its story but the characters are characters like it, it it made it so obvious to me because this is from 76 so it, it's a old film you know it feels we're not that old well no but I mean anything pre-Star Wars feels like it's actually from a different era slightly I'm only saying that because I was born in 76 no fair enough but it 
it it made it very obvious to me that mostly how modern films tell you a character is something yeah. is somebody says that's what you are to their face. And it's the worst piece of writing ever, whereas back then people just had an attitude and were something, you know. And this people from... So, so someone would have an attitude problem, whereas today a character would point at their face and go, you know what, you've got an attitude problem. That's how we tell the audience they have an attitude problem these days. It's just like, nah, the dialogue was kind of subtler and better back then. And it's got the bloke from Rocky, isn't he, who's the... the, the the corner man and Rocky, the black guy, bald guy, is in this. Is he? Which guy? Uh, oh, the guy. Oh, is that? I didn't recognise him. You know? Are you sure it's him? Yep. Who's he playing this? Wells in this. Um. Hang on a second. I'll show you. Oh, so he's not the main guy. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No, but he's one of the. Yes, yes. Oh, I didn't recognise him, but he's one of the criminals. Yeah. Yeah. I remember him from it. And he's the one who just goes. Uh, I've been unlucky my entire life, and it yeah, it is. It's quite sad. Where did you watch it? Is it on TV then, or was it? It was on that? streaming. You know, so if you just go to sort of the front pages of Netflix or whatever, you'll only get the modern blockbuster stuff yeah, that yeah. they're trying to feed you and the stand-up DVDs. Uh, but if you go searching around the sort of back end of stuff, you can it's find amazing. loads of old films that it's are amazing, up on isn't there. it? How yeah. many? If you if you go to the actual type of things in, there's tons of stuff, and stuff that you would never find. Yeah. And in fact, I just I actually I'm remembering now. I found this on. Uh, I've got an Xbox uh, 360, and I found it on the Microsoft Video Store. That is an enormous library of films. Huge. And so if you just look through the genres and search through stuff. And what's good is every film's page has its trailer on it. So as soon as you look, it plays you the trailer and you go, Oh, great. Oh, cool. Yeah, that looks quite fun. I'll bung that on. Um, so I watched it on there. But it's... Uh, I, I, I'd give it like nine Davids. I think it's, okay. not, it's not quite up there with The Thing or Halloween for me, but you know that this dude knows his cinema and loves his cinema but also has some new ideas as well of how to make films just sort of hypnotic like there's a female character in it as well who is the woman who mans the phones normally and she is so unlike any female character from the 70s around that time like she she's just sort of level headed and not screaming and hugging the men she's just sort of like sociopathic Mm. she's not even like yeah she's cool look how awesome she is she's just sort of sensible and you just go I've never seen that the actress apparently hated her portrayal but John Carpenter really really liked it she regretted the decisions she made but um, no it was really good well watch that then yeah Assault on Precinct 13 apparently there was a remake made yes especially rubbish wasn't it Total shit, from what I've heard. Well, it's quite recently. Yeah. Is it? Um, was it Lawrence Fishburne? Was in it? It was two thousand and five. Thinking with Jobs, wasn't it? Ethan Hawke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone knew when I said Thinking with Jobs that I meant Ethan, Ethan Hawke. Hawke. Yes, uh, he is Thinking with Jobs. Thinking with Jobs. I like Ethan Hawke. I think he's I've grown to like him more. Since well, he's it. better now. I think now he's a older guy. He's yeah. sort of more interesting. I found him a slightly boring. Pretty heartthrob in the nineties, yeah. but I think he's good now. A bit like Keanu Reeves as well. Like they've matured. I've, I've quite always liked Keanu Reeves. Or so have I, but he's he's better now than he was. Mm, point Break was pretty good. He's good in Speed, actually, as well. Yeah. No, he's always been good. Yeah, he's always been good. 
Well. No, but I'm glad I've seen it because John Carpenter is ace, apart from, you know, some later stuff like Ghosts of Mars, which is appalling. I've seen that one. It's a bit like somebody tried to make Mad Max Fury Road in one soundstage indoors, but it's all set outdoors, but on Mars, but with crazy Ghosts people. Ghosts of Mars. Ghosts of Terrible. Mars. And it's got, um, is it LL Cool J and uh, the woman from Species, I think, is in it? Oh, yeah, Natasha, wasn't there once something? Wasn't they? Not even, I'm not talking, I'm not talking, about, talking about Ethan Hawke. Um, oh, no, sorry, my, it's not LL Cool J, it's another rapper. It's Ice Cube. Uh, but Jason Statham is in it. And, oh, okay. and Pam Greer from Jackie Brown. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but it is not strong. It's not strong. Well, watch those films then. Go and watch them. And also, write letters and also donate money. Yes. Uh, if I could elaborate on what Marek's just said, if you'd like to write to us, then go to filmfandango.co.uk or com, actually. We've got both. Um, and uh, you can fill out the form there and we'll read your letter out on the programme. Also, we do all of this for free. So again, you can go to filmfandango.com and click the donate button if you'd like the show to continue. And everyone who has, thank you very much. It's going to be it's going to be a lean Christmas in the Reed and Larwood households. But, uh, you know, you're helping us through. Um, good luck with your lives. Good luck with your lives. That's our new catchphrase. And remember... Good luck with your lives! Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.